0: Be more than this whole breath of God come breathe.
1: Saints, let's keep worshiping. Lift up your hands all across this room. Come on, worship Jesus in your own words right now. Tell him who he is, tell him what he means to you. Thank him for what he's done. We serve an awesome God, he is awesome in all of his ways. He is good, and every single thing that he does. Come on, worship your King this morning.
2: Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. We love you today. We you today for your goodness we thank you today for your faithfulness come on tell him what he's done for you we thank you oh god that you've come through in our marriages we thank you oh god that today you are still a god that saves we thank you today jesus that you are still a god that does miracles oh lord
1: Jesus. Church, I want you to know this morning that we serve a God that is alive. Jesus is alive today. He died on the cross for our sins, our sicknesses and our sorrows. He was buried and he rose again on the third day. Today he is alive and he is ready to meet you where you are at right now. And I want us to extend the opportunity. I want us to open up these altars in just a moment. I want you to know that God is your refuge and your strength. Some of you guys are going through some very tough times. Whether you need a healing, whether your marriage needs saving, your children are not serving the Lord. Whatever it is that you're going through today, I want you to know that you've come to the right place. But God's not going to force himself upon your situation. You have to go after him. God is your refuge and your strength and ever-present help in trouble. And whatever trouble you find yourself in today, I want you to come forward at these altars. I want you to run if you have to. As the band leads us in another song, we're going to go after God this morning. We're going to go after God for healing. Come on, some of you guys need healing. Some of you
2: guys need your marriage to be renewed. Some of you guys need your families to be saved. We're going to go after Jesus for the salvation of our families. Come on. You want your children to experience God. You want to do good in school this year. You want to win your high school to Jesus. We're going after Jesus today. Come on, lift up your hands all across this room. We need the power of God. Where did the fire of God to fall?
0: Let be like a fire, let our lives be like a flame, fill our souls with your desire, let our passion bring faith. So let this love be like a fire, let our lives be like a flame, fill our souls with your desire,
2: let our passion bring faith. Hallelujah, hallelujah Jesus, we are here. And we have come, Lord, because we believe that you are our refuge in the storm. That you are an
1: ever-present help in trouble. And God, I pray for healing over our families right now, healing over our bodies. It is by your stripes that we are healed. And we don't have to beg, and we don't have to scream, and we don't have to shout. All we do, Jesus, right now is ask you for your healing touch We believe in miracles, oh God. We believe that you are a miracle-working God. Touch every single person in this room, oh God, that needs your healing. Extend it through us, God, to our families. I lift up Jerry's brother right now, Dale, who's dying of cancer. Touch him, Jesus. Touch him, let him rise from his sick bed, oh God. We will believe, oh God, that you can work and move, and we will live by faith until we see it, God. And I pray for every single marriage in this room that needs restoration, do it, Lord. We pray for our unsaved family members, save them. I pray that as we continue to preach to them that they would experience your saving grace. Lord, we thank you that we could come in freedom, that we could come boldly before your throne of grace, oh God, to make requests. We thank you that you are a God that cares, and we worship you, and we give you all the glory, and the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, and everybody said,
2: amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good.
1: You guys can make your way back to your seats. Praise God, we're so thankful. That we get to live in a country where we're free to do this. There's so many of our brothers and sisters all across the world who are being persecuted for their faith. So I want you to know, church, that when you come on Sunday, you come ready. You guys may be seated. You come ready to go after God. We're not ashamed. Amen. Metro Praise International. Are you ashamed? No. We are soldiers for Jesus. We welcome all of you here to Metro Praise International, especially if this is your first time here. I'm going to preach the gospel to you. My name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the Apostolic Elders here, and we're just so thankful that you've joined us at MPI. Every week we want to give a very simple gospel message, a message of salvation to show you the way to be saved because we never want anybody leaving this place without having the opportunity to get right with God because you're not promised the next five minutes of your life. In Romans chapter 10, verses nine through 10, it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth That you profess your faith and are saved. I don't want you to get confused that whoever believes in Jesus is saved and they're going to heaven, because in another verse it says that even demons believe that and they shudder. Demons believe that there is a God and they shudder at the thought of it. When you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, what you are saying is, Jesus, you're my boss. I give up control, I lay down my life, my life is now yours. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. If you have not done that, if you have not declared with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, that he is your boss, he is your master, he calls the shots and you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead because it is with your heart that you become justified. Just if I'd never sinned because of the blood of Jesus. If you have never made that confession of faith between you and the Lord I want you to know that you're not right with God and you're not promised eternity in heaven there's only one of two places that we will go when we leave this earth it's either heaven or hell and yes my friends they're both real places real places and you want to secure your place in heaven before it is too late it is not something we take lightly we take it very very serious and so should you so with all eyes closed all across this room, I want to give you an opportunity to think about your life. Think about where you're at, where God has brought you from. You can look back. Even if you're not right with God today, you know that there are moments in your life that you would have not made it if God did not spare you. As I begin to pray, I want you to come into agreement. If you wanna get right with Jesus today, now is your opportunity to do so. Lord, I thank you for every single person in this room who gets to hear the gospel message, the good news of salvation, that you came to make a way, Jesus. And I pray that every single person in this room will declare you as Lord, that they will lay down their life, take up their cross, and follow you, Jesus. I ask you would convict them of their sin, So they could be justified in you through faith in you. Lord, we cannot do one good work by ourselves. We cannot earn our way to heaven. We know that it is only by the grace and by the blood of Jesus. And I plead the blood of Jesus over every single person here that's not right with you. I pray that they would get right right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We praise God for the gospel message. If you guys could please stand up to your feet. We're going to recite our confession of faith together. For those of you guys who came into agreement with that prayer or prayed your own prayer, I want you to know we have prayer workers up here for you in just a few moments. We're going to hang out. We're going to put on some loud music. I want you to feel comfortable and encouraged to come and receive prayer for them if you know you need to get right with God. Ask them, how do I get plugged into this church? How do I start discipleship? We're here to see you grow in your faith in Jesus. You're not uh, meant to be left alone. Amen, we're here for you. So let's confess our confession of faith together. This is our Christian worldview. This is how we see the world around us. So let's recite it together on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Come on, give it up for Jesus. Spend some time meeting some people. Give somebody a hug or a handshake. Thank you for joining us. All right, who's excited to be at church today? Welcome, everybody, to Metro Praise International. It's so wonderful to see all of your faces. Thank you for joining us. It feels great to be back. It feels great being up here doing the announcements, not being pregnant. So thank you for all those that have prayed for us. Baby number five has arrived. She's beautiful. She's in the back. Maybe I'll bring her out. You guys can see her. But thank you for uh, all your prayers and just your love. It feels good to be back. So, um, and I want to thank Griselda for taking over. Did Griselda do a good job while I was gone? She's the bestie best. But uh, again, it's good to have you guys here. Welcome to Metro Praise International. And we're so excited about all that God is doing. Our services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. So we have two services to meet your needs of you and your family. Uh, Fridays, we have Elevate. Every week at 7 p.m., that's our youth ministry for students 11 to 18 years old. God is doing awesome things in our youth group. We really want you guys to uh, let your neighbors know, any relatives that you have that's in that age group, invite them. Elevate is where our teenagers need to be on Friday nights. God is doing awesome things, and it's just the beginning because as the school year has started, we're going to be starting Christian clubs uh, in their schools, and God's just going to do awesome things, so we don't want anybody to miss out on being a part of it. As we're talking about the youth next week, we have E-Sunday. Give it up. This is our September outreach for the soul-winning summer. You guys have made it all possible for us to continue on the six-month journey of our building fund for the soul-winning summer. So next week, it's going to be all run by the Elevate Youth Ministry. So our youth pastors, the leaders, the students... So we really want you guys to understand what's happening and what it's all going to entail. So next week, Elevate Youth Service, September 25th, for both services, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m., okay? We're going to be giving away $100 worth of gift cards for the three teenagers that bring the most visitors. So listen up, teenagers, 11 to 18 years old. If you bring the most visitors, whether it's your parents, your friends, anybody, we're going to be giving away up to $100 of gift cards for the three of you to, to to split up so we want you guys to be very serious about who you're inviting and invite them like crazy and then we're gonna be giving away twenty dollar gift cards for all the parents that come with their teens. so if you're here in this church and you have a teenager and you come next week, we're gonna be giving you guys a 20 dollar gift card to Starbucks. I believe it's Starbucks. yeah, don't quote me on that if we change it but it is gonna be 20 bucks somewhere okay so, And and adults, you guys invite parents with teenagers. Teenagers, invite your parents. We want this place to be packed out with your parents because we have so many young people involved in our youth ministry on Friday night whose parents don't come, okay? So I just really want this to be an encouragement. I want us to push it. I want you guys to be excited because it's all about what? Soul winning summer. So we want souls to come and hear the gospel preached and Steve and the team are going to do awesome. So we're really excited about next week. Here at MPI, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Our vision is loving God and loving people, the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. And our strategy is to connect you, to mentor you, and to send you out. We want to connect you to the church through our life groups. We want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. And then we want to send you out to do evangelism so that we keep preaching the gospel to the lost and dying world around us. And our goal by doing that is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Does that get you excited when you hear it every week? Look to your neighbor, say, I'm excited. Okay, look to your other neighbor, say, then get connected. Here are some ways you guys can get connected in our church. This is a snapshot of our life group schedule for this week. That's what we have going on. Turn your hand out around, you'll see the schedule that we have left for this, the end of this quarter. Find a place to belong, I can't say it enough find a place to get connected with you and your family so kicking it off today we have our marriage life group child care is provided 5 p.m they're going to whirly ball guys so i think this was a pre-registered thing you could still go if you didn't register you just can't play a certain game or something you want to be there tonight whirly ball you can uh, see ricky or rachel for information or andrew and lauren for this service if you want to have more information if you're a first-time visitor and you're married and you want to go tonight You want to be there. Tuesday, we have the Resistance Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m. here at the church. Wednesday, King's Kids. Let me just brag on them a little bit. 91 people here on Wednesday, guys. Over 70 kids. We're rocking it out for Jesus. You want your children to be here. Infant to 11 years old, Royal Rangers Boys Club, Impact Girls Club. God's doing awesome things here on Wednesday nights at 6.30 don't let your children miss out thursdays are gang outreach 18 years and up 7 p.m meeting here at the church powerful ministry be a part of it fridays we have two adult bible studies for you guys one at the govea's the other one at the Vivid's house 18 years and up 7 p.m be there don't be square okay you want to be there don't miss out get connected during the week get refreshed in your walk with god through the fellowship of other believers and through the word okay then we want to mentor you somebody say mentor 101 book is called welcome to your new life if you're new here That's the book we want to take you through. We have awesome leaders ready to invest themselves into your life to really encourage you, to disciple you, to be all that God has called you to be. So that's welcome to your new life. When you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples that Make Disciples. Pastor Jared has a class on Sunday mornings, Thursday nights. We train you to be a leader in that class so that one day you could be ordained to be a deacon or an elder here so that you can make disciples and continue to preach the gospel and win souls for the Lord. Then we want to send you out. Say send. We believe in evangelism here. We don't believe that God has just called us to save us and us for and no more, okay? Look at the chairs. There's still empty chairs around here. And if we all needed to stand up and go in the foyer so that people could take our chairs, we would do that. We would have two more service added, okay? Two services added. We want souls. We want Chicago to be saved. And the only way for them to be saved is for us to go and tell them. Because unless they hear, they won't know. So we have to preach the gospel. We believe very much in evangelism and street ministry. Every Saturday from 5 to 8, we're hitting the streets preaching the gospel and all different other types of times with our life group. You could do it with your life groups. Let's be soul winners. The Bible says that he who wins souls is wise, and he who refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. Sometimes we struggle so much in our Christian walk because we're only thinking about ourselves. When you turn your attention and look at the world around you and see how God wants to use you to impact them, it'll change your perspective forever. You'll never be the same again. So if you've never done it, I wanna encourage you, go evangelizing. Watch God use you. Be expecting him to use you in the gifts of the spirit, to to preach and to prophesy and to, to, to say what he wants you to say to the person that you're witnessing to. It's very, very powerful. So in recap, somebody say recap. MPI has a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Vision, loving God and loving people. Strategy, connect, mentor, and send. And a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Can I get a hallelujah? Woo! God is good. God is good. How many of you guys ready for tithes and offerings? We get excited here about tithes and offerings because we believe that when we give, God continues to give back to us, that we can continue to give back to his kingdom. We believe that a tithe is 10% of our total income given to the church regularly. We should be faithful stewards of that tithe. And an offering is an amount above the tithe that is between you and the Lord, whatever he puts on your heart to give. And you should give generously and without compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver. And we designate our offering towards missions and towards building. So let's get into our lesson for the day. Excuse me. Section three of the Disciples Giving book. You could follow um, along on the Metro Praise International Facebook page. There's a link there for you, Lesson 10. Stewards are multipliers. Say, I'm a multiplier. multiplier. Stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. Excuse me, I've got to clear my throat this morning. We're going to be reading from Matthew 25, 16 through 17. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. Who wants to be a multiplier? You got to work for it. We can't be lazy. Here are three main points from that scripture. Number one, put his money to work. Jesus wasn't a socialist that taught against private ownership or personal success. Rather, he promoted the principles of capitalism by teaching parables that exemplified individual prosperity and personal gain. His application was simple. If people use their talents and work hard for personal gain, how much should his disciples work hard and use their talents for kingdom success? Let's not bury our talents. There was one person in that parable that ended up burying their talent and gained zero. Look to your neighbor and say, zilch. The one who had five went and got five more. The one who was given two bags of gold got two more because they worked. They didn't bury their talent. They didn't waste their time. Number two, gained two more. Honestly, evaluate your life and ask yourself, have I used my talents and abilities to gain success to help support the kingdom of God? Your answer will determine your heavenly rewards. Remember, you are not saved by works, but rather you are saved to do good works. And both salvation and good works are accomplished by faith. So we're not saved by what we do, but what we do shows our salvation, and what we do with that uh, brings glory to God. So if we just, you know, fiddly-dink our thumbs around after God saves us and do nothing for his kingdom, that's not going to bring him glory. Everything we do on this earth should bring him glory. Our family, our marriage, our finances, our talents, our gifts, everything. And number three, are you a multiplier? Have you been successful at working hard on your job and using your talents to gain income? Have you been faithful then to give your best back to God? God has called you to be blessed, to be a blessing. How many blessed people do I have here today? Come on, here's a summary. Be a multiplier of God's gifts and talents in your life. Number one, here's the application. Be faithful in giving your tithes, which is 10% of your total income, and offering anything you give after your tithes. Number two, ask God to empower you to multiply and succeed at all that you do. And number three, live by the principle, I'm blessed to be a blessing. How many of you guys use that as a principle for your life? We say it a lot around here. I'm blessed to be a blessing. Let's confess this together on the count of three. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. If that is you this morning, can you please stand up to your feet with me as we prepare to give the Lord our very best, our tithes and our offerings Again, a tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly and faithfully to the church. An offering is above that amount. We designate towards missions and towards building. And on the envelope, you can allocate, allocate the specific amount that you want to go towards each section there. Here are four ways that you could give at MPI. Number one, in the bucket during the offering. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. You can see me or Pastor Griselda for that today. And number four, you could go online and use Chase QuickPay, PayPal, or Bill Pay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Let's recite this verse together. Philippians 4, 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your blessings In our lives, God, I pray that we would be a people that would be multipliers for your kingdom. We want to give you glory in all that we do, all of our gifts, all of our talents, all of our resources, our energy, our abilities. We give them to you, God. Use them for your glory. Multiply it. Increase it, God. As you increase our life, we'll give back into your lap, God, and then you'll keep giving us more so that we could give more, God. I pray for your blessing and prosperity over your people. Open doors of employment, God. I pray for raises and increase in all that we do so we could further your kingdom on this earth in Jesus name and everybody said amen Amen. please come forward as you give this morning and we thank you so much for your generosity
3: All right, how many excited to be in church? Make some noise. Hey, do me a favor. Everybody pull out your smartphone, even if you're not so smart. I believe you, you can pull out that smartphone. Anybody ever feel their phone is smarter than them? Sometimes. My phone tells me when I'm leaving places how long it takes to get back home. And I'm like, how did you know I was leaving to go home? And then sometimes when I wake up on Sunday morning, it just shows me this is how long it's going to take you to get to church. It'd be stalking me, my phone. But I'm going to get smarter than it one day. Everybody, pull out your smartphone, go to Facebook if you have Facebook and you're cool. And go to Metro Praise International. Welcome everybody here to the wonderful church of Metro Praise International. I'm your friendly neighborhood pastor, Joe. I want everybody to go to Facebook, and I want you to show some love. I want you to check in if you haven't already. And if you haven't rated us, give us a rating because many people are finding out about our church online. So go to your Facebook You know, put up in the search there, Metro Praise International, and somebody show some love. If you're going to put up two or three stars, don't do it. Don't do it. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, it's a free country. You can do what you want. But go there, especially if you love our church. If you're a visitor, wait till you're done, okay? We ain't pressuring you right now. Wait till you're done. But a lot of you have been coming, and I've been wanting to remind you to do this. Rate us. Share something good there. Just put a quick sentence in right now and just be like, man, I love this place. The pastor is so cool. He is so awesome. No, I'm kidding. Half kid. But, you know, put something in there like, I love this place. It's fun. It's casual. And then when you get done doing that, I want you to see that we're actually live right now. We're live right now. I want you to share it on your Facebook. Tell your buddies, tell your friends we are live, and you can drop it like it's hot right now so that they can keep up with us. And if you're ever not able to make it to church, you can check us out online. Everybody go, cool. See, we are there. We are making this happen for you. I see some hands, uh, I see some likes coming on there. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Look at your neighbor and say thank you. I'm going to give you a few more moments as you do. I want to just tell you it's awesome to be back with my wife, Nancy Vorostik. I missed her so much. I said, Nancy, I said, we just had our fifth baby. Those who may not know, just had our fifth baby. And I said, Nancy, how long were you gone as we were driving on our way to church? I said, was it five weeks, six weeks? She looked at me. She's like, two Sundays. I just missed two Sundays. I could have stayed home today too. And I'm like, no, I wasn't going to let you. I wasn't going to let you. We needed mama. We just, you know, when you're married and you're like a, a man like me. I'm a manly man. I'm a manly man, okay? I'm a man's man in a locker room, on the on the field, when we're playing games. Like, let me just give you an example of how beastly I am, okay? So yesterday I'm riding my bike, and, and all of a sudden I hear somebody coming up behind me, like they're going to pass me. And I'm like, no, you're not. And I just get going. I get going. I get going. I get going. And literally I just keep going until it's the turnaround point. And then when I come back around, the dude, looks Looks at me. And he's, he like he like waves off me from his bike. He's like, "Good job." Like he was a little bit impressed, you know. He was like, oh, "Yeah, that was cool," you know, because you could just hear my gears clicking. Because I was like, "I ain't letting you pass me." And sometimes I'll be snoozing when I'm riding my bike. I have my headphones on, and somebody just kind of comes by me, like, and I'm like, "No, they didn't." Now just catch up to him. This one guy just blew me out the water. I couldn't keep up. But the bottom line is, I'm a manly, manly man. But I need my boobster boo. I need my wife. So it was so good to be back with her today. If you guys want to see our baby, she's in the back. They're probably sleeping. Little Joy Lorraine Whyrostic. Did I give you guys enough time to do all these doodiddles? Rate us, check in, share the live webcast. That's just our way of staying relevant. And then here's the last thing. All throughout the week, I share the sermons, little clips, the whole thing. Uh, you'll see it sometimes sponsored. I put it out there. Sometimes we'll get a 1,000 views. Sometimes, like, not a 1,000 views anyways. But whenever it does, if you 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 see it, just promote it because you know what it does is it lets people know what you're getting here on Sunday because we live in a multimedia world and then sometimes I put out cool little memes. If you're ready for the message, somebody say, I'm ready. Today we are going to be talking about Christian fellowship, which basically just means Christian friendship. But I wanted to use the biblical term fellowship. Everybody say, shipping with the fellow. See, like back in the days when they had ships and you were in the ship with the other people, the fellows, you guys were fellow Shipping. That's right. We would call it like fellow caring, fellow driving, something like that, like fellow eloting, you know, eh, 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 hanging out, fellow pizza eating. I mean, they just put it together. Fellow what? Ship. Okay. Fellow shipping. And so we're going to ship with the fellow. Look at your neighbor and say, you're my friend. Okay. Look at your other neighbor and say, you're my better friend. I'm just kidding. I don't want to get anybody in trouble today because if the first person you turn to was your wife or your husband, they're like, don't you tell that stranger next to you. We better, you better friends with them. Don't you do that. I'd be getting you guys all in trouble with my little talking back and forth, don't I? Okay, Christian Fellowship is our sermon today. We have a sermon uh, series scripture. We have gone through this 11 times plus one extra bonus time because I made a message two parts. And then uh, you've heard it today, I believe it will be for the 12th time, okay? So let's listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. If you're there, somebody say, I'm there. Okay, awesome. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but how many gets the prize? One gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the what? The prize. So do you want to win the prize? Yes, you want to win the prize of life, especially when it comes to your spiritual life. Everyone who competes in the games goes into what? Strict training. Thank you. That's what we're talking about. Spiritual disciplines is strict training. throughout the olympics this summer i made analogies to this i showed you the running videos i showed you the swimming videos the whole idea is here paul is pointing back to the same kind of thing we would see at the olympics and he's saying there are people who win these prizes and the ones who do it are the ones who go into strict training they do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last how long everybody go forever come on say it like you mean it forever. Come on, we're having fun, right? That will last forever. How many are ready for a day that will last forever with Jesus? A day that never ends, a a never night day, a day that never has a night, a day that never has sorrow, tears, or pain. We're waiting for that time to be with the Lord. Verse 26, now he makes the application. Everybody say, therefore, Thank you. Now you're gonna know what the previous verses are there for. If you wanna know in literary terms what that meaning of the word therefore means, it really literally means what I just told you is there for this reason. Therefore. I do not run like someone running aimlessly. Now he's talking as an apostle, as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus Christ. He says, when I look at these guys run, yeah, that's cool. They win some prizes, but that thing doesn't last forever what they get. I'm doing this to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer just beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body, make it my slave, so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize say don't get disqualified see that's where it gets real disqualified for heaven means you go where where highway to do you want to go on that highway no you don't when I say heaven y'all say yeah heaven heaven when I say hell y'all say no saying hell hell (laughs) y'all want to go to heaven right I want to go to heaven, so the Bible teaches us that we should go into strict training so that our body, our flesh, doesn't cause us to go to hell and get disqualified. Think about that. I am saved by grace through faith, not of myself, not by my good works. I don't get to go to heaven because I've read my Bible so much, because I've gone to church so much. I get to go to heaven because I've asked Jesus into my life. But now as I go through this life, I have to stay committed to the race. I have to go on this journey with Jesus. At any time, if I start wandering aimlessly, I'm going to get into some trouble. If I stop beating up the devil and start beating up my, uh, my neighbor, or I stop fighting the trouble that's in my life and start fighting you, I'm going to get distracted and get disqualified. He said, I beat my body, not your body. See, my biggest temptation is not you. The biggest temptation that I face is right here in my body, my own thoughts, my own desires, the temptations that the devil knows how to get me with. Let's say right now we went to Baskin Robbins and got some ice cream. How many think that would be a good day? Okay. Let's say we go to Baskin Robbins. How many know you're going to get your favorite flavor? Okay. On the count of three, shout out your favorite flavor one, two, three. Okay. Mine is. Oreo cookies with chocolate chip cookie dough okay that's my two favorite flavors because if I just get the the chocolate uh, the chocolate chip cookie dough there's not a lot of flavor between the cookie dough and the chocolate chips it's just white ice cream many can feel me on that but if I put the Oreos and cream with the chocolate chip cookie dough now we working right now we cooking with gas now watch this The devil knows what you like. So if you come to me and say, oh, Joe, look what I got you right here. I I got you this ice cream that's some dark chocolate mocha latte, half caffeine, I mean, half coffee, half chocolate thing with the whipped cream on top. You spent like 20 bucks for it, you know, at the basket. If you handed that to me, I'm like, ah, I don't want that. But if if I handed that to some of the ladies right now, man, they would be willing to do anything for that $10 cafe latte mocha thing. You know, you're with me. It's like, they would love that thing. But listen, if you came to me right now with my favorite kind of ice cream and then said, slap your neighbor and I'll give you this ice cream, I would be tempted. I'd be like, how hard do I got to slap them? Can I just slap them like this? Because I'd like to get that ice cream. You know, I mean, we, we, we will compromise, sadly, for the things that we really, really want. And God is trying to tell us, no, 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 no. The devil knows your flavors of sin. The devil knows what you want. He comes right after you. See, for some of us, you know, it, 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 money is not a big deal for some of us. You know, I grew up in a, in, a, in a pretty well-to-do family. Gifts to me, you know, bribes to me, that doesn't really get me, you know what I'm saying? But hey, but perversion can get me real quick if I'm not careful, right? For others of you, you're like, man, you know, I, I don't lust a lot. But man, if I see that pair of shoes, if I see this, I got to get it. And so the devil knows between our temptation what's going to be quick for us. You know, for me, it may be temptation. Temper, jealousy lust these are the things that are in my body and the bible says i need to strike a blow to it so that i don't get disqualified for the prize i don't want to be caught living in sin as a pastor and disqualify myself from you and you don't want to be disqualified and you lose your place in heaven so whether it's the pulpit or the pew let's all put our body to death amen and some of y'all might just been like oh man that's scary pastor said he has temptations of lust yes i have a body that's going to die because of sin and i'm a saved sinner now a saint and if i don't put that under subjection the same way a pastor sinned is the same way i'm going to sin and the same way you don't think you'll ever cheat on your wife or husband or the same way you don't think you'll ever lie or get angry or do those things it will happen to you the moment you let down your guard start beating the air and stop running that race can i get an amen Amen. So we need to go into strict training. So I like to say it like this. How I look on the outside is not as good as how I look on the inside. So like I could go to the gym right now, and I'll I'll try to flex a little bit, but I just kind of want to every now and then go up to the big bodybuilder type and be like, excuse me, sir, I look like you on the inside. I've been strict training with reading the Bible and praying. And so, you know, you got to look at your neighbor right now and just tell him, I look a lot better on the inside. Hey, I look a lot better on the inside because that's what I've been building. Because the Bible even says that physical exercise, it's of some benefit, but it's kind of like the crown that they would get in those Olympics, that grass wreath around their head. doesn't last long, nor does your body. So if you look amazing on the outside but terrible on the inside, you're going to get disqualified for the prize. Everybody say spiritual disciplines. Okay, so what do we do now, right? Well, these spiritual disciplines have been our sermon series all summer long. I got just one more message after this. We're on the 11th one. There are 12. And next week, Pastor Steve is going to preach. Let's give it up for Steve Ramos. He's going to drop it like it's hot. So make sure you're here. It is going to be fuego. It's going to be lit, as he likes to say. So here is what spiritual disciplines are. They are the commands. Everybody say the commands that a disciple practices. Come on, say that, what we practice. It's what we do. Thank you. It's how we show in our life that we want to grow spiritually because we know God. If you believe in these 12 spiritual disciplines, and for most of you have been around for the summer and heard them, let me get an amen. Bible reading. Amen. Keeping your family in order. Scripture memorization. Soul journaling. That's keeping a dear diary to Jesus. Praying and worshiping. Discipleship and Christlikeness. Christian service. That means doing all things unto the Lord from Monday to Sunday. Public evangelism, spiritual meditation, financial stewardship. That was last week. We talked about money, 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 money. Money. Today, today we're talking about what? Christian fellowship and after the youth elevate, bring us to another level. I'll be talking about what? Church involvement, last but not least, because Jesus said, I will build my church in the gates of hell, shall not what prevail, will not overcome. We are winners. Amen. And so I want you to see it like this. This has been our helpful slide to tie it all together. The knowing, showing, and growing. We are saved by our knowing. How does a person become a Christian? By their faith. Knowing Jesus, number one, as their God and Savior. How many believe Jesus is God and is your Savior? Amen. He died on the cross, buried, and on the third day rose again, showed himself to people, and then ascended to heaven and said, I'll be back. Here we have the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. When you know that, you're saved. It's not because of the spiritual disciplines you do here that make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is what you do here on the knowing. Side And when you are a Christian, you know you share in the divine nature of Christ. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, the old has what? Gone, the new has come. And the Bible says that that new life that has come is in us. So I was born naughty by nature. Now I'm born again in the divine nature. Born a sinner, born again a saint. How many believe that today? And now we can do all that God commanded us to do. It's not like, oh, really, God, come on. I want to lie today. Do I have to tell the truth? How many know as Christians, you don't feel that way anymore? How many know as Christians, if you've really been born again, sharing the divine nature of God, and you know Jesus, when you did lie as a Christian, you actually felt convicted. When you did lust, when you did lose your temper, when you did something you weren't supposed to, how many felt that conviction? now remember conviction is from God and it's a good thing conviction shows you who you are in Jesus condemnation is from the devil tries to make you feel guilty make you want to quit because he says what you're not and what you can't do and how terrible you are but conviction says look at Jesus and look at yourself because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world as Jesus was so are you you can do what Jesus said you can do now the showing see once I'm a Christian and I know God has saved me I'm saved by faith I don't go to these Christian commands as an obligation. I go to them out of the heart of love. Like, I love my wife, so I do things for her. My wife gave birth to our fifth child. She's holding it down like a champ. So when I'm walking into Walgreens and I see a bouquet of a dozen roses, what happens in my heart? See, I don't need somebody to tell me, you better buy those roses for your wife. You better do something nice for her. Look at all that she's gone through. No, it's in my heart. The heart of love compels me to buy those roses and then to go find her favorite chocolates and put it on Facebook and say, look how awesome I am, everybody. Pat me on the back. No, but you know, there's like a, there's like a truth in there. But the idea of I'm going to do this is not to show off. It's to do it because I love her. Oh, and as a parent, it's the same way. When I have to walk around my house and stomp my feet and say, do this, or you don't get to have this, or do this, or you don't get that. That's not as fun as when I come and sit down for dinner, and the plates are set, and Bethany goes, I just did it because I wanted to. That's my oldest, or one of my boys says, Daddy, can I help out afterwards? See, the heart of love wants to give. Are you listening? And so I don't keep all of these commands because I have to, but because I want to. And if you were to summarize the whole Bible, that's our best shot at it here at Metro Praise International. These are the things that a Christian does to show who they are. Because you may not see me on the inside, right? You may not see all the love that I have for God. But I can show the world, show even my family and those around me, this is what Christianity means to me. And the Bible says, when I do those things, when I know God, am saved, and I show that I know God. Everybody say, I grow up so I can go up. To a whole nother level. How many wanna to go to another level? You gotta go to another level in life. You just don't wanna stay where you're at, busted and disgusted, on barely get along Avenue next to Grumble Lane. Look at your neighbor and say, You live on Grumble Lane? Cause your Facebook looked like it. No, I'm kidding. That's somebody else. That ain't your neighbor. That's somebody else's neighbor. But sometimes you can tell by people's Facebook, like they're living on Grumble Alley, Grumble Lane. It's never good enough. Nothing ever works right for them. And they always have to make their life look like it's the worst thing ever. The Bible says that we need to grow up so we can go up to another level. I want to have the confidence in God that's not shaken when the weather changes. I I don't want to be a fair weather Christian. We know what this is like in Chicago. We don't like people who just live in Chicago just for the summers and leave for the winters, right? You don't want a fair weather Chicagoan. You you, some of you wish you could do that, though, you know, leave to Florida after a couple months from now. But let's just be honest. Let's be honest. But when you talk to the real Chicagoans, you know, you want somebody that can take it in that winter when it's minus 50 below 12 inches of snow, right? Some of you are like, still, no, no, I don't want that, Pastor. But anyways, you get the example. Like, we don't want to be a fair-weather Christian and say, well, God, I'll only love you when things go well. I'll only love you when everything is just so perfect. No, we got to love God when things go wrong. If your Christianity is shaken by trials and tests, then I doubt whether or not you truly knew God, because that's not really the kind of faith of the Bible. Our Savior was crucified. Our disciples were martyred for their faith. The Bible says that we go through suffering in this world. The Bible's very honest in the first three chapters about where all this pain and suffering came from. That's why when people talk to me, like, well, if you believe in a God, where where did all the problems and suffering come from? And I'm like, have you ever even read the Bible from our God? Because, like, the first three chapters tell you where it all came from from we sinned he made it perfect we made it imperfect well why doesn't he just destroy everything evil well that would start with you you would be destroyed then he's trying to save your sorry behind that's what he's trying to do he's trying to get the hell out of you and put some heaven inside of you Because if he would start destroying wicked and evil things and people, he'd be starting with you, your neighbor, and your favorite TV show characters and all the artists you have on your iPhone, right? So God is saving us from our wickedness so that we can grow up and go up to another level in these 12 things. Can I get an amen for them? Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection. That's brotherly love. Love, joy. Come on, say amen. Peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. See, that's what it's about. That's when we put the Christianity of the Bible to the real world. That's what it looks like. Goodness is not based upon how much money I have in the bank. Knowledge is not based upon me knowing what you know. Who's starting for the Cubs into the championship playoffs and all that? Which I hope they win. How many hope they win? Come on, come on, Sox haters! Don't hate. You had your time. It's time for the lovable losers to do something. You know, you you just, you just, you can spend your time doing all that, but you can get so lost in that. You can get so lost in sports. You can get so lost in that where you don't have the true knowledge of God. It's okay to have both as long as you always know what comes first. So today, let's talk about Christian fellowship. You guys ready to learn about friendship? I want you to think about this when we come to friendship, which is today's message, number 11. A wise man once said, a new friend is like new wine. When it has aged, you will drink it with pleasure. Can I get an amen to that? So I don't know if you like to drink wine. If you're an underage person, don't drink wine. That's called a sin. But those here that understand wine and those who are of age and understand the Bible and the blessing of wine that God gave it to us, the wine ferments, and the wine uh, starts off as grape juice, rather, and then it ferments to become fine wine. And you have to let that process take place. And if you get it too early, it won't taste right. And if you let it go too late, it will turn to vinegar. Sometimes with our communion cups, they're grape juice, but we buy them in bulk. You never know what you're going to get when we have communion around here. Sometimes it may just be like grape juice. You're like, oh, that's just grape juice. Other times you're like, woo, what is this? A sharded. And, hey what am i drinking here other times you may be like whoa what is this vinegar you know i mean cuz cuz the fermentation process is important and so the idea is, is that friends that stick around and are good in our lives needs needs to age well like wine and the bible promotes this idea promotes good friendship and teaches us how to fellowship with one another and enjoy life go with me to uh, acts chapter 2 verse 26 the bible talks about this word fellowship everybody say fellowship Thank you. Once again, we'll be calling it friendship, but I want you to see the the big word here of fellowship. Start here in Acts chapter two, verse forty-four. I'm going to put it into more of an older translation so you can see. Start in verse forty-four. Says, "Now all who believed were together, had all things in common. Sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all, as anyone who had need." So break, uh, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. How many think that looks like fun? Hanging out, going to church, loving each other. This is what the Bible considers fellowship. And then when you look into a more modern translation, it says, They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They continued to meet together. Let's go into another kind of translation. Let's see what they did here. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. How many are going to do something like that today? You go to church, and then you get something to eat, Right. Every meal was a celebration, exuberant and joyful. Come on. And they praised God. People in general liked what they saw. See, this wasn't where people hated on the church. They actually liked the church. And every day their number number grew as God added to those who were being saved. So let us look at what it means to have Christian fellowship. The definition of Christian fellowship is really just simply hanging out with your friends. Let me get it to you right here. You can write it down if you're taking notes. Christians that share friendship together according to God's word. How many want to learn about being a good friend? You guys want to learn about that? Sometimes in life we don't understand the circles of friendship, and I want to share them with you now. Everybody go, ooh, Okay, listen to this verse, and I'll explain to you this wonderful chart right here. Proverbs 12, 26 on the board says, The righteous choose their friends carefully. Everybody say, carefully, carefully. Thank you. But the way of the wicked leads them astray. Let's look at these circles of friendship. Intimate friends are those who are on the inside of your heart sharing with you the deepest parts of your emotions and your life. Close friends are those that you love to be around. You spend time with them. From your close friends, you usually get your intimate friends. Good friends are those that you share interests with and like hanging out with and doing things. You probably have a lot more of them than you do close friends because there's probably good friends that you go shopping with or go to school with young people or good friends on your job or good friends in your family. And let me just say this, family members don't necessitate a good friendship. You may be closer to some people In your family, and some people in your family may be your best friends. There's nothing weird about that. And then there's casual friends. These are the kind of friends that you probably have on Facebook or went to school with, or you know, got to know and maybe just shared a few moments of life together. Maybe you were in first grade together. Now every now and then on Facebook, you show share something on Pinterest or something. Well, the last one is acquaintances, and these are people you maybe just met, shook their hands. You probably couldn't remember their names if you tried, but you know, if you saw them at the gym like, oh, don't I know you or something like that. Well, here's how it looks when you go from your heart to acquaintances, but acquaintances can also become casual friends. You can get to know somebody better because everybody's a stranger till you get to know them, and then a casual friend can then become a good friend, and a good friend could become a close friend, and then a close friend can become an intimate friend. Before I get to the red part and describe Jesus' life and how he used this as an example, I want you to see that black arrow that's there that shows that we should give people a pathway to move in and out of our lives. Isn't that good? Let's give it up for that chart right there. It's so awesome. No, It just makes it worth it, but it's colorful. It's fun, but I want to talk to you about the two hardest things that are for people to do right here, two hardest things for us to do in friendship, the first one being is to give people the gift of goodbye. Everybody go, adios. This is how my children learn Spanish, by the way, from Dora the Explorer, so I'm not mocking. I'm just having fun. Everybody go, adios. Adios. See, this is hard for us because some people are in our lives, maybe they're an intimate friend, somebody that we're really close to, but they don't really want to build us up anymore. They don't want to encourage us anymore, and so they hate on us. They became kind of like frenemies, and one of the things that we do is we try to hold on to them and fix it, and I think we should really try to work on our friendships, but sometimes the best thing you need to do is say adios. You need to let people travel out of that space. Maybe they'll fit better as an acquaintance. Maybe they'll fit better as a casual friend. Maybe they used to be an intimate friend. Maybe you used to share all these moments together, but now they're they're, they're not encouraging you, and they could be actually causing you to stumble and fall. For example, let's say you come to the church, and you have a girlfriend or boyfriend, and you both aren't saved, but one of you gets saved, and let's say that person is you, and you start wanting to live for Jesus, but they don't want to live for Jesus. What do you need to say? adios. Hey, you're more than welcome to stay in my heart and be a part of my life, but if you don't want to serve Jesus with me, I got to let you become a casual friend. I'm not saying I don't like you, don't want to hang out with you, but we need some space. One of the first things my wife did when she met Jesus was break up with her boyfriend, and I'm so glad she did because it made room for the hero. Amen. It dropped that zero. Get with the hero, baby. And you know what? I had a girlfriend while I was a pastor. She was in Bible college. I came to surprise visit her. She was crying when I showed up, and it wasn't tears of joy. She said, I, I, I gotta talk to you. I gotta talk to you. And I said, What is it? She said, I've been cheating on you. And I said, adios I said thank you very much I I mean it hurt I was in pain I'm not going to say it's easy to say goodbye but hey I'm better than that I'm worth more than that amen aren't you worth more than that and at the same time when you put people on ice and you say adios you also got to learn how to say what hola everybody say hola (laughs) Latinos are like I ain't doing this this gringo pastor he's messing with me man Hola, forget that. Listen, I'm just having fun. I'm just having fun. Everybody go, hola. Hola. You gotta welcome people into your life, you gotta be able to meet new friends. Many of us can talk about how our friends used to be our enemies. You know, they started off, we didn't get along. One of my best friends from Bible college named Juan Gonzalez, one of my best Latino friends, this was a long time ago, we started off arguing and fighting and debating about God. But when we humbled ourselves, got over all of our pride, we became really close friends. And so I had to be able to say hola. I had to let him into my life. Now, the Bible says we should choose our friends carefully so if you got our announcements you can turn it over and guess what there's actually a place for you to take notes please do this draw out the five circles right now do the intimate friends with the heart close friends a little bit bigger than the heart because that means you'll probably have more people there good friends a little bit bigger casual friends acquaintances can you guys do this real quick if you don't have pins we'll grab some for you ushers walk around some pins please thank you I want you to fill in some names. I promise nobody's going to look at it. We're not going to check, you know, and be like, oh, did you know you're not her intimate friend or whatever? We're not going to cause a mess here. But I want you just to be honest with yourself. I want, I want you to think about real people when I talk about friendship today. How many think this is a good idea? Right? You think it's a good idea? Because I want you to make this applicable to your life. Let's start with intimate friends. Who are you going to put there in the heart? Who are those that you would say, man, I'm, this is my ride or die. This is somebody that I just love so much. And guess what? Husbands and wives, it should be your spouse first and foremost, right? That's easy. You better have your wife as your best friend or husband. And those of you in relationships, the same way, okay? Because if you ain't his best friend, ladies, you deserve better than that. I remember hanging out with some dudes when I first got uh, engaged, and, and they were like, why is Nancy, ever-? and this is how they talked, by the way, they talked like little girls, I guess, uh, no offense to little girls, but they talk like weaklings, let's say it like that, they talk like weaklings, why is, your, why is, why is Nancy everywhere we go, I mean, do you, do you ever not hang out with I'm like, because she's my best friend, and I like her more than I like you, that's why, <laughs> I didn't say it like that, but something like that, you know what I'm saying? I don't have a better guy friend than I do my wife. Come on. My wife is my best friend with benefits because there ain't nothing wrong with a little bit of bump and grind when you're married. There ain't nothing wrong. Come on. When you get married, you're best friend and you have benefits. So you better put your husband or wife in there. Intimate friends. Close friends, you know, think of maybe four or five. If you don't have a lot, I'm going to talk about that in just a minute because uh, the idea that more people around you makes you happier, that's not necessarily true either. If you just have a few in these categories, that's okay. Good friends, casual friends, acquaintances. Would you just fill in some there? Acquaintances, probably you could just put Facebook or something that just, you know, gives you a category of where they are some of you are doing it mentally i'm assuming because you're just staring at me right now with your arms crossed pastor i'm doing it right now in my head i got it all done 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 and done okay good you guys are smart okay somebody's like he's talking about me no there's like about 20 of you with your arms crossed right now i'm not just picking on one of you it's okay i'm teasing i will stop teasing so you don't get upset this is how your life looks now, right? Let's be honest. This is where I want to be personal. How are these friends benefiting you? Benefiting you. Benefiting you. Are you righteous in choosing them? Or right now, have you been suffering because of it? Be honest. I know that when I was in high school, I chose the wrong friends. My peers led me into more trouble than I could have ever imagined. And it didn't start off that way. And I know we have a lot of young people in the church, and so adults, uh, bear with me. And some adults still act like teenagers, so this may be for some of the Chicago Shore clubbing folks here. I think all them people at the clubs are your friends, but they're not. Okay, but let me just talk to some young people here for a minute. My parents would tell me, you are who you hang around. You are who you hang around. They taught me that, right? Look at your friends, and that's your mirror. That's who you are. That's who you'll become. And I didn't believe it because I knew more, right? I was 13, 14, a skateboarder, and I knew more. But I always hung out with the older kids. And, and guess what? When they were around 16, 17, Started doing drugs, dropped out of high school. And then what did I say at 13, 14? Dad, I'm not going to do that. That's just what Jamie did. That's Jamie. Jamie's different than me. I like hanging out with Jamie. I'll never be like Jamie, but that's just what Jamie did. And my dad would say, "Those, those are your reflections. That's who you are. Birds of like feathers flock together. You don't see eagles hanging around a hen house with dirty old chickens. Hello. And you don't see chickens on the mountaintop soaring with eagles. And eventually, what happened when I got 15? I started selling drugs, dropped out of high school. I became just like them. My life was following that trend. And I will remember all the things that I possibly can think of that I regret the most, the most. Like my top five worst memories of life all come from being with my friends and bad examples. The wicked, the Bible says, will lead you astray. The time that I did way too much drugs, drugs is never good. I did way too much and almost died. In the backseat of the car, I was ODing on crystal meth. I could hear them saying, drop him off in the country so we don't have to take him to the hospital. And I just remember praying at that time, God help me. God help me. That was with my friends. The time that I put my foot through a gas station window because they said, hey, let's go break into a gas station. and And the thing wasn't quite open. The guy was like, kick it, kick it, kick it. So I went to kick it, and I slipped right on it and went, the broken shard went right into my leg. And then he dropped me off at the hospital, made me walk to it, and then he didn't come and pick me up. And I had to walk like two miles to my house, limping on about 30 stitches in my leg. Another terrible memory. Terrible memory of going to Baraboo, Wisconsin, tripping on shrooms and acid, thinking I was going to die. was because I met friends at the telemarketing agency that I worked with, and they wanted to do a lot of drugs in a country setting, whatever, out there. I used to live here in Naperville, and they wanted to go out to Wisconsin. The time that I had sex for the first time wasn't with the girl that I love. I hardly even remember it, and it was really just painful for both her and I. A little bit funny on that end. I mean, not painful, but just it was awkward and weird that I could never give that gift to the real one that I loved was because I had to prove it to my friends that I knew how to have sex. You know, if you just look at the memories of your life, I don't know about you, but I look at a lot of the things I went astray on was because of my friends. The time I got arrested, and you're probably saying right now, Pastor, your friends were wicked, right? I mean, you're hearing the stories of my friends, but hey, don't your friends kind of get off on their own thing too? You ever found yourself in a fight that wasn't the one you started? You ever found yourself fighting over a guy because your girlfriend took took him? Hello. You ever found uh, these things in your life and you wonder, where's all the trouble coming from? Where is all coming from? Most of the time, it's just the closest people around you. I remember one time I was just living in my car. I had no money. I got $10 for doing something, and I couldn't find it. I was staying with my friend. I couldn't find it. A few weeks later, my other friend told me, your best friend, Derek, stole that $10 from you. And I was thinking to myself, I had literally nothing, and the $10 I had, he had no problem stealing. That was the kind of friends I had. Well, there was one time that I was uh, doing drugs with a friend in a car, and we were uh, just, he was lighting fireworks in his car, being a total idiot. And I said, stop lighting fireworks, and he was driving lighting fireworks. And I said, pull over, man. I'm going to drive, and some of you have heard the story. So I start driving his car. Now he has both hands free, lighting fireworks everywhere. The Fort Wayne police pull us over with guns drawn you know, throw us out of the car, everything's going bad, I have drugs on me, I'm going to jail for a long time, and then that got me into the system for a long time. They look at my friend who had nothing on him because all he was doing was lighting fireworks like an idiot. They give him back the keys to his car and say, you need to stop hanging around with bad kids like this and send him home on his way while I go into jail and become a part of the system. Now, that was my fault because my, friend, my parents and p- good people around me told me these people are wicked. Now, you may say, Pastor, I don't have crazy friends like you. I don't do drugs. I don't commit crimes. But are you having sex outside of marriage? That boyfriend or girlfriend is supposed to be a righteous friend, and yet they're telling you this is okay. How about your friends on the job? I know there's a lot of people here that you work jobs, and it may be downtown in a high rise, and there are people there that want you to compromise with them, fudge on numbers, leave and do something else when you're supposed to be doing this, and that can come even into the McDonald's job, but it can even come in corporate corruption, and you can be led astray by those people. Remember Bogoyavich? Is that how you say his name, Bogoyavich? How do you say his name? La... Blah Blagojevich, like blah, like Blagojevich. He had the wrong friends, didn't he? Making deals on the side. So here's how I want you to look at Jesus. Here, look, everybody, say, let's be like Jesus. Jesus was the most righteous person to ever walk the earth. He knew how to say adios. He knew how to say hola. He knew how to let people come in and out of his life. And he knew where they belonged and what would make the most sense for what God called him to do. Number one, acquaintances were like the crowd. These were the people that Jesus fed, the 5,000. You guys remember those stories? This is like sharing space. Jesus was around them, but Jesus wasn't going to let them affect him and what he was called to do. Sometimes they wanted to make him king. Other times they wanted to kill him. And eventually, the crowd ended up killing him. Then Jesus had casual friends. These were like the 500. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus, after his resurrection, was around for some time and showed himself to upwards of 500 people. If you remember the, uh, the, the story of Pentecost in the book of Acts, how many were in the upper room waiting for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? 120. They were a part of that casual group. And what that means is, is they shared moments with Jesus. They, they liked being around him. And then there were good friends. Everybody say, good friends. These were the 72. Jesus had 72 people around him at least at this one time because it says he divided them by groups of twos to go out and preach and prepare the cities before he would go into them. And two divided by uh, 72 divided by two is what? 36 pairs. And then he had close friends. Who do you think were Jesus' close friends? The disciples. How many did he have? 12. The 12 disciples were Jesus' close friends. But did you know out of the 12, Jesus had three intimate ones? three intimate friends that he shared his heart with in a unique way that he didn't share with the others. If you ever remember the story when Jesus went up onto a mountain to pray, and the Father shone as a bright light, and Jesus changed into his divinity, his appearance of God as before he was, before he came to this earth. Uh, Peter, James, and John were there with him at that time. And then if you remember when Jesus was tempted, uh, not rather tempted, but when Jesus went to go pray at the Garden of Gethsemane before he got betrayed, he brought the 12 with him, but then he pulled out three to take with him by himself to pray together, and those were what? Peter, James, and John. Somebody say three. So you start with the crowd, all those Facebook friends you share space with, all those people in your life, and you get down to those casual friends that you start to share moments with and hobbies. Then you get to the good friends that you share interests with more on a regular basis, the close friends you share life with that, that you love to be around consistently, and then the intimate friends that you call up when all hell is breaking loose and you say, do you got my back? Now let me just say to you two problems that I see right here before we go on to the message. Somebody say this is the introduction. Okay, before we get into the message, let me just share this with you. There are two problems that I see. Number one is that we try to put non-Christians in here. And the Bible warns us about putting non-Christians past casual. When you start having non-Christian good friends, close friends, intimate friends, there begins to be trouble. Whether that person is nice or not, we're not saying non-Christians can't be nice. We were all non-Christians at one time too, right? So we don't judge them and say, you're terrible, But would I recommend going into business, as someone asked me before, Pastor, would you go into business with someone that wasn't a Christian? No, because you need a good friend to go into business with. When the times get tough and the money starts getting tight, you need someone that's going to pray and continue tithing and giving and serving God with you. Not quit and start cutting corners. I've already seen that go bad. Also, when you want to make relationships as singles, they're going to go from casual to good, aren't they? You just don't want to have casual sex. You want to have a casual friend that becomes a good friend, right? Come on, somebody say amen to them. Amen. What's another word we call sexual intercourse? We call it intimacy. That's reserved between one woman and one wife in marriage. So you shouldn't have casual friends and casual hookups and casual sex. You should bring those relationships into good friends. Well, at that point, if they're not a Christian, you're gonna have different goals. It's okay if you let the person know, I want you to come to church with me. That's a great way to get them to come to church. My dad came to church because he started hitting on my mom while she was a waitress. And then she said, You ain't getting none of this, boy, until you come to church. And then he had to come to church to get him some of the mama pie, the Lorraine pie. And they eventually both gave their he gave his heart to Jesus. They got married. And so there's nothing wrong with saying, I want to want you to be in church if we're going to go to the next level but certainly for those who are already christians you shouldn't be trying to missionary date be like well i'm gonna get jennifer lopez to be a christian i'm gonna go witness to her start off with those who you know are christians okay i'm not here to say it's like this every time but be wise and then close friends some, some of you have the wrong people there, and it, once again, it may not be the story of my life, because you got to remember, I got saved at 18, so a lot of that stuff I did as a crazy young person. But I've seen now a lot of people let just the wrong close friends into their life, and it caused problems. Let's just say, for example let's say like my mom, she started to have a close friend with someone she had in the neighborhood, had coffee together. But as my mom began to suffer through life and in my dad's business, this close friend didn't add joy or, or pleasure or, or happiness. She added condemnation, kind of created jealousy, kind of created bitterness. And so you don't know how that will affect you until you really need them the most. And the Bible says the unreliable bad friend is going to be like a bad tooth on the day you need them. It may not hurt until, the time you need it it's like a leg it's limping and you don't really need until you need to run you feel a little tight but if I say let's run you're going to really wear out and so those kind of friends when you need them most will let you down come on somebody say amen So then you got to have the intimate friends that are Christians. Obviously, obviously that's going to change your life. So I see a lot of people having trouble picking the wrong friends, putting them in the wrong places. And then the second problem, and this is not as popular, but I do have to talk about and these kind of people may get offended because it's by their nature to get offended and that's weird people who don't know how to make friends. And you come to church and then you start saying stuff like this to me because I've heard it before. Uh, There's nobody here that likes me. Nobody wants to be my friend. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. You're weird. You're a weirdy they're trying to be your friend you're just so prickly and strange that you are not able to be these people's friends and these kind of people right now are already embarrassed thinking i'm talking about them but there's multiple people here like that multiple people like that and i call you guys weirdies everybody say jesus loves weirdies jesus has a place for weirdies now i'm not talking about the occasional weirdness how many know we're all occasionally weird how many have ever just been telling yourself a story in public and then you laugh in public and then you catch yourself and be like, I just laughed at my own story in public. Have you ever done that before? Like, we're all kind of weird like that. You're, just, you're like just telling yourself a story as you're waiting in line in Jewel and you're like, oh, that was so funny. No one else is laughing with me and they're looking at me now and you're just going to go to your phone like, oh, yeah. We're all, we all have weird moments. No, don't, don't get me wrong. We all have weird moments. But I'm talking about... When, when I w- started off, you know, our church was a little bit smaller, obviously, started off as a home Bible study. It, it would be like, Pastor, I like your church, but there's just nobody here like me. And, it, and then I began to try to be nice, because you want to be nice to people like that. And you'll be like, well, well I'll be your friend, and I'll hang out with you, you know, especially if they're a guy, whatever, you know, if they were a girl. My wife will hang out with you. But then you begin to find out that they're all self-centered. They're always about themselves. They're always talking about themselves. They're always on some weird journey in life. Everything is always going wrong. Nobody ever gets them. The reason is it's, 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 it's as simple as this. You're weird. You're not acting normal. Now, I'm so glad that Jesus loves weird people, but I want to tell you, if you are not finding this to be easy, if this is coming difficult to you, you need to become more like Jesus. Because Jesus is on the inside of you and Jesus was such a good friend. He was friends of sinners the Bible says. He ate and he drank and he hung out casually even with sinners. Jesus was a great friend and you can be a great friend if you get over your weirdiness. And I don't even want to pick on people but I had one of them in our church. He knows who he is. He's a pastor now and I'm not, I don't even want to like lean over there but I had to tell him, I had to say, you're weird, you never smile, you make everybody feel uncomfortable when they're around you. And he was like, no, I don't. And I literally, I literally took a picture of him. I said, don't you move that expression right now. You keep that expression right now. I took a picture and I said, look at you. Look at how you look to everybody around you. Stop that. Stop that. And then I've literally had other people, you know, because you get a little closer to the Bible college students because they want to be ministers and pastors, and I'm wanting to help them be great friends because that's part of being a pastor, right? We're all friends. Aren't we friends? You like me? I like you. Okay, so that's a part of helping them grow. And another one, I just told her, I said, you talk the entire time. You never let anybody talk. It's always about you. And then you don't feel like you're getting enough out of the relationship. It's because you don't know how to be quiet stop talking, let us talk, and we'll tell you we like you, and then you'll listen to us, and that will make us feel you like us. So the two problems I see in this church is that people put a lot of non-Christians in the wrong circles, and it messes them up. They go back to exes. They have friends from their past, and they're wondering why there's a lot of mess in their life. Messy people cause messes. Get rid of the mess, and watch how quiet your life becomes. Amen? And then there's others that are weirdy, and you're special, and we love you, and we will take our time with you. But I don't want to hear none of this in a church of over 200 people. Somebody here can't be your friend. You are the problem then. Join one of the life groups and just say to yourself, literally say this to yourself, I will make a friend here. I will make a friend because I will be like Jesus and care about others, be nice to them, listen, be considerate. And out of that, someone's going to want to hang out with you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Because I'm tired of hearing that nobody likes me, nobody's here to hang out with me. You guys ready for the message? Okay, here's the five kinds of biblical friends in more detail. I'll go through it quickly. John 15, 15, Jesus said, everybody say Jesus said. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus said, I'll keep no secrets from you now. I don't want you just to be my servant. I want you to be my friend. That's what I love about Christianity. It's not a religion. What is it? It's a relationship with Jesus. I just don't see a man on a sta- in a statue somewhere or, you know, some, some story. I have a best friend that tells me everything I need to know from the Father. He has sent the Holy Spirit into my spirit so I can hear his words, so that I can know that I'm not alone. He said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He says that he loves me until the end of the age, and he'll be with me then. And that's how we got to look at our friendship. And so the things that I just went over, you can review. This is just part of the message. But I want to get to the things that are going to make the difference in these five categories of friends. But they're always online, by the way. I forgot to tell you that. These notes are online if you want to see them more. But how many want to learn 10 biblical traits of a good friend? Okay, this is the message right here in closing. Remember, once again, that Christian fellowship is that Christians sharing friendship together according to God's word. Let's go through the 10 of them real quick, and then if I have some time, I'll go through some of the ones that I think maybe I get some reaction from you guys on, okay? Be reliable, be wise, be loving, be not easily angered. Okay. Be teachable, be sharp be sacrificial, be good, be righteous, be godly. Come on, can I get an amen? Amen. You guys were pretty chill on that. I didn't see one that stuck out, but I know for me, not easily angered is a big one. Let's talk about being reliable. Here are the scriptures. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That is first and primarily talking about Jesus will always be closer to us than a brother. So listen to me. All of you here today have a best friend in Jesus. But if you choose in this world unreliable friends, you'll come to ruin. So make happen for others what you want to have happen to you. Do unto others as you want to have done unto you. If you want reliable friends, be a reliable friend. And remember this you teach people how to treat you. If you keep letting unreliable people into the close parts of your heart, you're giving them permission to do that. So every time you get together and your friends keep coming late and you're okay with it and you don't start the movie without them, you don't leave and go without them. They're going to get in their mind, I can come late as much as I want. You leave without them, they're going to realize, I better be on time next time. It gets quiet. That's, that's being reliable, and you teach people how to treat you. So here's what I would say. If you tell me, I have, Pastor, I have friends, but they don't treat me right. Well, you need to start teaching them how to treat you. You do. You do. Somebody says, well, I got a boyfriend. He doesn't treat me right. Teach him how to treat you. If he's not reliable, drop him like a bad habit. Come on, somebody. Everybody say, be wise. Look at Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. You ever watch those uh, housewife shows, Real Housewives of Jersey Shore, any of these things? Foolish. Stupid is as stupid does. What is wrong with y'all? Now, I know most of us would go, well, that's for ratings. That's for ratings. You would be surprised the stories I hear in this church that go similar. I was hanging out with so and so and then this happened and this happened and this happened and this. y'all both fools. And guess what Mr. T said? I pity the fool. I pity both of you foolish people. Stop doing that. Walk with the wise and grow wise. Find somebody here that's wise and start being their friend. Facebook, start stop start hiding all the foolish feeds you see on Facebook. Start following people that put up good things like this guy or other leaders in this church. Start walking with the wise and you'll become wise. No excuses here. Well, that's the way it was in my neighborhood or this is the way it was here. No, 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 no. You don't have to be a product of your neighborhood, of your family, of your culture, of Chicago. We can be of a kingdom culture, the culture of Jesus Christ. I'm a part of a subculture, the Christian culture, amen, who loves everybody. Look at this, be loving. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Some people think that this means a friend is better than a brother, but no, the Bible says a friend's going to love you at all times and then a brother or sibling will be there when times get hard. But this is what's awesome about the Bible. How does the New Testament categorize us when Paul is speaking? He calls us brothers and sisters. So your friends can become like brothers and sisters in your life. Sadly, I do not have best close friends with my brother and sister they have their own issues their own problems they don't serve God but I have people here that are closer than my brother and sister sometimes you got to say adios to family members that doesn't mean we don't show up at family functions doesn't mean you can't come over to my house and do your laundry here but you know what you can't smoke in my house or on my property you can't drink alcohol because the last time you did you got drunk in front of my, my my wife that ain't happening you see I laid down the law amen but I love them I love you, sis. This is the way we're going to do it. (laughs) Amen. Jesus made heaven for people who want heaven. You can't bring hell up to heaven. Amen. You ain't bringing hell into my house. Get that hell right out of here. Bring that back to where it comes from. I love you if you're going to act right and do right. See, some of you think that love, listen to me. Some of you think love is a way of giving people permission to sin and do crazy stuff. That's not biblical love. Biblical love is standing for righteousness and letting people have the freedom to do their own thing, but choosing your own boundaries. Somebody say a friend loves at all times. You deserve a good friend like that. I'm telling you the truth. Be not easily angered. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Can I just get an amen on that? Nor associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. My best friend growing up as a kid from church, who we used to kiss girls together with in the boys' bathroom and make out and did drugs together at church and all these crazy things, he was this tall. He was this tall, and I've been about this tall since high school. This guy got me into at least three different altercations. I never learned my lesson. The one time I got arrested in Lake Tippecanoe, I didn't even do anything. I just showed up outside of the club all the, whew! Everybody's strung up, fingers are being pointed at me. He was with them. I was getting locked up. Parents had to come pick me up because I was underage, shouldn't have been there to begin with, all because of my hot-tempered friends. Y'all looking at me like you don't understand. Y'all looking at me like you guys are the most calm people in Chicago. You better make sure to pick your right friends, not the easily angered one or the easily offended one. Come on. If somebody's always easily offended, what's your problem? Relax a little bit. Be teachable. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. How many know some people pay you compliments, but they stab you behind the back? But your friend's going to tell you, right, that hairdo don't look good on you. They're just being real. Now, if, they, if they're mean, then you gotta separate the real from the mean. But I'm glad I got friends that can tell me when I got a boogie in my nose. Have you ever been at a family function, at a party somewhere? You've been talking to people for hours, 20 people you've talked to, and then you go to the bathroom and you got this huge boogie hanging out your nose. Why didn't none of y'all tell me this? All y'all talked to me and didn't say nothing. I love telling people that, hold on, bro, you got something right up in your nose. Hold me, let me get it for you, you know? But no, I'm serious. I want a friend that I can tell him as a TIS. I want to be able to rebuke you if you're wrong. See, sometimes people will leave our church. They were our friends, but they'll leave our church. And you know what they'll say? Nobody at Metro Praise understands me. Nobody gets me anymore. I used to go to that church, and they didn't get me. Well, what happened? Well, I cheated on my wife, and I wanted to marry another woman, and the pastor said I was wrong and rebuked me. You see, that's the difference, right? My friends, if I wanted to cheat on my wife right now, am I going to go hang out with one of my best friends, Ishmael, and be like, hey, I'm starting a new life? No, I'm going to go talk to my neighbor who drinks beer all the time and be like, what's up, enemy? Give me your fake kisses and tell me I'm okay. Because the moment I'm dark, I don't want to be around light. You better be around people who can tell you as it is as it T-I-S, not just how it is, but how it T-I-S. Get up in your face and be like, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're treating your wife wrong. You ain't getting right. You're not doing this relationship with your girlfriend right. You got to have people that you can trust because better is an open rebuke than hidden love. So if you have ever been rebuked by me, that shows you how much I love you you could be like oh man pastor loves me and that's how we need to talk around you because even though i don't rebuke you personally somebody may leave this church today and be like pastor said if we have sex before marriage we're not right with god you, you know you need to be able to look at that person and be like pastor loves you he loves you so much and you're sinful debaucherous perverted so he loves you but there's this other church that kisses me all the time that's because they don't love you they just want your money, honey. They just want to take what you got, leave them alone. They'll leave you alone. Get quiet when I preach like that. Oh, I'm only halfway through the message. Vinny, I need your help on the keys. They're getting tired on me now. Or it just got real. Be sharp. Everybody say be sharp. I'm not talking about how you dress, but the Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You can't be dull hanging around me very long because otherwise you're going to get sharp because I'm going to keep sharpening you. And I can't be dull hanging around you if you're living for Jesus, staying sharp because you're going to sharpen me. Two of us can stay sharp together. We can keep each other on a whole nother level. We won't let each other even give up on our dreams. There are some times that your friends are going to want to give up on their dreams and you're going to need to be there and be like, no, come on, don't give up. Let me sharpen you here. Let me sharpen, let me encourage you. Don't give up on your dream to go back to school. Don't give up on your dream to raise your family God's way. You need to be there for somebody. Amen? Amen. Sacrificial. Jesus said this, and it's the motto of the military, especially the Marines. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. See, that's how I know you really love me. You're going to lay down your life for me. That doesn't mean you're going to do everything I ask you to do, but you're going to be willing to make sacrifices. You deserve a friend that's going to make sacrifices, so be that kind of friend. You want to be good because don't be misled. Everybody say don't be tricked. Bad company corrupts good character. How many know that? We don't need to spend any more time on that. We know that spend time around the people God wants. Look at the scripture I I was referencing before about getting too close with non-Christians. It's okay if we're reaching out and helping them, but we got to protect us from them because you know what? We don't want them to pollute us. We want to influence them. And I'm sorry, that's the way it is. I mean that with everything in me. I mean that we are here to be light in a dark world. We're not here to let the darkness snuff out our light. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers for what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Biel, a pagan God? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Where do unbelievers belong in our life? As casual friends and acquaintances. And we're bringing them closer to us because we want them to come to Jesus. If you ever get, everybody look up at me please in closing. If you ever get rejected because of Jesus, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. A sad but true story is going on right now. A young man I I raised up to to serve the Lord in New Orleans. His wife has now left him. She's sleeping and living with another man. He's not going to file the divorce until she does. He's got a lot of patience and love for her. But this is what he said. This is what he said. He said, I'm going to believe God to change her and help her to come back to her faith because the moment she left Jesus, she left me. And I said, brother, that's exactly right. It wasn't that she left you, then left Jesus. She left Jesus first because that's why she stopped seeing the Jesus in you. What keeps my wife and I together is not just her good looks, not just her sense of humor. Jesus is the glue that keeps us together. If I ever were to turn my eyes off of Jesus, anything else could take my attention. How many men are running around here lusting after everything but not having love? I want intimacy with my wife. I just don't want to have sex. Don't you want that in life? Well, pick the believer. And then lastly, this is where it gets tight but it's right. Everybody go, get ready. This is what the Bible says. You start cheating on God. You pick the wrong friends. This is what happens. You adulterous people. You cheating people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity, war against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a what? A friend of the world becomes a what to God? Enemy. You better pick your friends and your enemies right. I'm not saying that my enemy is you or a non-Christian. I'm just saying the world by Satan is my enemy. If the person stands for what Satan stands for, I love the sin or hate the sin. Do you all get the difference? But I won't love the world. I'll love the people in the world. But some of you, you're trying to walk both lines. I'm going to love some of this worldliness and some of this Jesus. And Bible says, no, the decision's already been made. The moment you stepped over here, you became an enemy of God. Now, the good thing is Jesus loves his enemies. Jesus gives us a chance to repent for being his enemy. But just know what side you're on. Amen? I want the devil as my enemy, the world as my enemy, and God as my friend. I would rather have God for me and everybody against me than have everybody with me and God against me. Amen? That's a good good golf clap. Amen. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Listen to this quote as we get ready to close. Friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, what you too i thought i was the only one friendship happens when you let down your guard take off your mask and say wow you go through this too i can relate to that you have these dreams I thought I was the only one to have those dreams. You like you like stay-at-home moms. You like staying at home, being with the kids, having all this all over you, the puke. All, yeah, I relate to you. like being a mom that works all day? Yeah. See, you find that person that relates to you so deeply. And you're like, what? You too? I'm not alone. Let's all stand up and give it up for Jesus because he says you're not alone. Come on, give it up for Jesus like you mean it. We're not alone. Amen. Would you pull out that list or think about it if you have it uh, in your mind? Because I want us to pray for our friends before we go right now. Okay? Pull out that list and let's just pray right now. Father, we thank you for our friends. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? We pray that these friends would be in the right place in our lives today. Just name them out right now. Name out some of those friends in your life and just pray for them. Lord, I pray you bless them, that you keep them that you help me do for them what I need them to do for me. Come on, somebody say, bless my friends, Lord, and make me a good friend. A few moments right now, pray for your friends. Pray for your friends. We talked about our family at the beginning of this series. Today's about our friends. Some of those may be your family members. That's awesome. But pray for your coworkers. Pray for your fellow students, young people. You've just started school. Are you picking the right friends? Put in the right friends in those circles, college students, UIC students, North Park students. Come on. How about singles ready to mingle? You, put, you picking the right dates? Those in relationships, you dating the right person? Husbands and wives, are you close like you should be? A few more moments praying for your friends. Right now, pray for your friends. If they don't know Jesus, you know they don't. Just say, Lord, I pray you save them so we can get close. I want to be close to you, God, and I want to be close to them, so I pray they know you. I pray you be the center of our friendship. few more moments, a few more moments, friendship, friendship. How about this right now? Let's now pray for the ones who have offended us and hurt us. Come on, say, Lord, I forgive my frenemies. I forgive the one that took offense against me, the one that talked about me on Facebook, the one that stole my boyfriend or girlfriend, that one person that keeps talking about me on the job. I forgive them, Lord. I pray for them, Lord. Come on, forgive your enemies today. Decide to do differently. Don't get bitter, get better. A few moments right now, praying for people who have let us down. Have friends let you down before? Pray for them right now. Say, Lord, I forgive them. I forgive them for letting me down, breaking their word, not keeping their promise, leaving me high and dry, being unreliable, hurting my feelings, Lord, breaking my heart, using and abusing me, taking advantage of me, Jesus. Do you think Jesus knows what it feels like to be rejected by his friends? Come on. Who kissed him on his cheek? A Roman soldier? Who kissed Jesus on his cheek? A drug dealer? Who's the one that did it? Judas, the very ones that he, uh, the one that he kept close with him, ate meals with every day. A few more moments. And now, lastly, would you raise up your hands and say, Lord, make me the friend I need to be. Make me the friend I need to be. Think of some of those things we talked about. Whatever sticks to your heart today. Do you have a bad temper? Are you unreliable? Sometimes ask the Lord to change you. Are you not always sharp? Do you compromise? Come on, ask God to make you sharp, make you reliable. Oh, Lord, I need you to change me. Start with me. Start with me. I want to be an example of your love. I want to be the kind of friend you were, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, I've never been. Jesus, few moments right now, Lord. Make me a good friend. Make me a good friend, Jesus. We're going to sing a worship song before we go, but I want you to pray. Make it personal between you and God, please.
0: Jesus.
3: Just a few moments in the presence of the Lord can change our lives. Let's put up the words, please. Would you look about me before we go? Thank you for coming today. We'll dismiss in just a moment. I think I'll tell you who that awkward guy was. It was this guy. Was I mean to you back
0: then? Kind of, sort of.
3: You were honest. I was honest. Brutally honest. He's one of my best friends. He came over, uh, was it Friday you came over? It was Friday. We hung out. We're real friends now, aren't we? real real friends yeah like this besties before i have jared pastor jared pray for us i want to know today what you think heaven will be like i know the most important thing of heaven is god right but he didn't just create us to be by ourselves with him so what is heaven like with god then it's with us in god's presence friends brothers and sisters right now I want you to think about this because we're going to sing this little chorus before we go and if you're with your wife or your friends after we sing it a few times I want you to hold their hand and pray for them personally because literally put up the words for us please literally the closest to heaven you'll ever be is when you find good godly friends and share Jesus together you say pastor i don't know about that i want to be a loner i want to be alone with god listen to what the bible said where two or three are gathered in my name there i am in the midst of you did you all just get that that's a bible verse don't just clap if you don't believe it listen we are supposed to have two or three intimate friends jesus peter paul and james what would happen the father would show up what did jesus tell them when he said i'm gonna leave now but listen whenever you peter get together with james and get together with john two or three i'll be there so the closest i've ever been to heaven is right here right now this is the closest you and I will ever get to heaven. That's why I come every week. Because I get to be around God and his people. Adam, would you sing it? Let's sing it together.
0: I've never been closer to heaven. Closer to heaven than I am right now. Let's sing it a few times. Come on. I've never been. I've never been. Uh, Never yeah. been.